0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, as well as the host of many other pre-med and medical student podcasts over at mededmedia.com. I hope if you like this podcast that you are subscribed to this podcast, either in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you may listen to podcasts already. If you are just listening to this podcast in our website or on our website, then I highly recommend you just download an app, whether you're on iOS, it's Apple Podcasts or Overcast, on Android, it's Google Podcasts or PocketCasts, or if you are a Spotify listener and already use Spotify a lot, go search for MedEd Media right there. This week we're continuing our breakdown of Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10 with passage number nine from Psych Soch. Claire back for some more MCAT podcasts. Finally wrapping up almost soon. Almost there. I can smell it. Next step, test prep full length ten. We are in PsychSos passage number nine. What's in store for us today?
1: Well, as always, this is the fun one. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a fun one. But no, this this one's actually pretty cool. Um this this passage is a little bit more uh scientific, a little bit more statistical in how it's oriented and its main focus is Memory and the parts of the brain that are involved with memory, especially with regard regard to music. So,
0: Okay, let's go ahead.
1: All right, passage nine. Becoming a skilled musician requires considerable practice, and this kind of learning relies on multiple faculties, e.g. perception, memory, and motor abilities. According to previous fMRI studies, the functional changes associated with musical training take the form of stronger activation in the temporal cortex, particularly the middle temporal gyrus and the somatosensory areas. A study was performed to explore the impact of musical expertise on both functional and structural modifications of the brain. For this purpose, researchers selected 20 young musicians who had been playing music without interruption until the time of the study. Number of years of practice uh, equals 15.3 plus or minus 3.67, as well as 20 young non-musicians. Participants were scanned using fMRI during a musical semantic memory task in which they had to rate the familiarity of 60 melodies, purely instrumental tonal excerpts, on a four-point scale, from non-familiar, which is one, to extremely familiar, which is four. Significant differences, P is less than 0.001, were found in the number of melodies reported as unfamiliar between non-musicians and musicians. As expected, non-musicians judged more melodies to be totally unfamiliar and musicians judged more to be extremely familiar. In both musicians and non-musicians, familiarity increased activity in an extended network, including left motor areas, the right cerebellum, and the left inferior parietal gyrus. Musicians showed greater activity in the bilateral anterior portion of the hippocampus and the bilateral superior temporal areas. Further analyses confirmed that the hippocampus is more strongly involved in musical familiarity judgment tasks in musicians than it is in non-musicians, regardless of gray matter density differences between the two groups. Following the scanning session, a debriefing session was proposed to determine whether the melodies had evoked personal memories or mental imagery. This debriefing revealed that the musical excerpts evoked personal memories in 85% of musicians, but in only 30% of non-musicians.
0: So (laughs) this would freak me out because it's like, oh, this is a lot of brain anatomy and I don't remember that. So I'm going to (laughs) just skip this passage and move on to the next page. So hopefully the questions uh, aren't terribly hard. Um, okay, so question 48. Personal memories evoked by musical ex- excerpts would fall under which of the following categories? Roman numeral one, episodic memory. Roman numeral two, semantic memory. Three, short-term memory. Or Roman numeral four, long-term memory. Ooh, All right, and so the last paragraph says that with the de- debriefing, the musical excerpts evoked personal memories in 85% of the musicians, but only in 30% of the non-musicians. So there's something key there. Um, and so the answer choice is A is 1 and 3, B 1 and 4, C 2 and 3, or D 2 and 4. Um so it's either episodic or semantic memory. Those are the two big differences to make right off the bat. Uh, semantic, I don't remember the specific definition of semantic, but I think that what they're talking about here potentially is semantic. Like if I think, oh, that's just semantics. Right? It's uh, um, it's just something about that word that I think it's right. So I'm I'm left with C and D and then long-term versus short-term memory I'd assume it's long-term memory because it's uh, evoking memories of things, and so I'm going to say D two and four.
1: Close. Oh man, you're half right. Okay. Uh-huh. Can you guess which which half was right?
0: Uh, long-term.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Darn it. Okay. <laughs>
1: that one's the easy that was the easy, one, easy so... part. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the tricky part is episodic versus semantic. Uh, And so you really just need to know what these mean. And that's good because memory is just very, very, very highly tested on the MCAT. And uh, in particular, episodic memory is the memory of events that happened to you like during your life. And then semantic memory is the memory of things like facts. So if I remember, oh, the sky is blue or I remember like, you know, two times nine equals 18 or something like that. Those are all in semantic memory. But episodic memory, if I remember like, um, oh, my grandma used to play the song on the piano or something, that would be episodic.
0: It was an episode in your life. Exactly. All right. Semantic versus episodic. Okay. So episodic because it was a memory of something. And so personal memory versus some fact or something, and then uh, long-term was was the easy part. Okay. So one and four, so we're left with answer choice B. Exactly. All righty.
1: All right. Next one, number 49. Which of the following additional findings would not be supported by the data presented in the passage? A, musicians store music-related memories and long-term memory to a greater extent than non-musicians. B, so-called muscle memory plays a role in potentiating memories of melodies. C, brain areas involved in regulating voluntary motion are involved in memories of melodies in musicians, but not in non-musicians. Or D, episodic memories may be linked to procedural memories.
0: (laughs) Oh, And so this is one of those tricky ones where it would not be supported by the data presented in the passage. Um, so it's interesting. This this first answer choice, answer choice A, stands out to me because it's it's saying musicians store music-related memories in long-term memory to a greater extent than non-musicians. And I don't know if that's exactly what... That last part is saying because it's like it's saying that, um, well, although it's music related memories and that the thing is talking about personal memories, hmm, so maybe that's why it stands out to me it's music related memories. All right, uh, B, so called mess muscle memory plays a role in potentiating memories of melodies. Uh, I think that would make sense potentially. See, brain areas involved in regulating voluntary motion are involved in memories of melodies in musicians, but not in non-musicians. Um, again, I think that kind of makes sense based on what they were talking about. Um, episodic memory may be linked to procedural memory. And so we'd have to know what procedural memory is, what that definition is. I don't remember that definition. But there's, there's something about answer choice A, musicians storing music-related memories in long-term memory to a greater extent than non-musicians. I don't know if they actually said that. Um, so I would go with that one, answer choice A. Um it's not A,
1: but okay. A was a good it was a good um one to choose though because basically in terms if it depends on sort of how we read that answer choice cuz we think oh long-term memory we might think oh musicians and non-musicians are both going to store memories these music related memories in their long-term memory uh so we might get tripped up by that long-term memory uh component of the answer choice but the key is actually um something we can find in paragraph 3 uh, and it's the part about the brain areas that we, we kind of wanted to not think about too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, uh, in that paragraph, there's a bit that says, musicians showed greater activity in the bilateral anterior portion of the hippocampus. And then later they actually say the hippocampus is more strongly involved in these musical familiarity judgment tasks tasks in musicians than it is in non-musicians. And the hippocampus is actually the the site where that we should associate with long-term memory.
0: Mm, so we do so, have to know that.
1: We do have to know that. Yeah, think think memory, especially long-term memory. When you think hippocampus, and then if we see, oh, these musicians are showing just much greater hippocampal activity, then that's enough to support answer choice A. So that's oh,
0: how. okay. Eh. All right. So if I'm let uh, if I leave that one out. Oh man, and then I. Oh. I don't know. Answer choice D kind of stands out because it's comparing different kinds of memory. But again, we might have to, that might be another anatomy thing that you have to know procedural memory and episodic memory. So I don't know. Where do we got here?
1: Yeah. So we, the answer here is C. So okay. I'll start there. Um, the right answer is C. And so what's, what's kind of difficult here is that the, these four answer choices are all totally independent of each other. Mm-hmm. So we have to evaluate each of them separately And one thing that can really help is, so we previously saw, we were looking at that third paragraph and we saw that the third paragraph includes uh, explanations of like, oh, for musicians, this part of the brain was more active than that, than it was for non-musicians. So this is a great place to prove answer choices wrong. So if we just sort of stay in this area of the passage and we look at answer choice C, it says brain areas involved in regulating voluntary motion And when we think regulating voluntary motion, we should think, oh, like the cerebellum is really heavily involved in that. So we think, oh, cerebellum. And then it says it's involved in memories of melodies in musicians, but not in non-musicians. So then if we go back to that paragraph, look for the cerebellum, we see that it was only referenced um, with regard to both musicians and non-musicians. It says, oh, familiarity, increased activity in a network, including the right cerebellum. And so they never gave us this comparison that the cerebellum is involved with musicians but not with the non-musicians. So that's what allows us to say C is not supported. It draws this distinction that doesn't exist.
0: Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so a hard passage and a hard question. That's something. No oh fun. yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: um, but just just a quick note on procedural memories too, because B and D, uh, B and D were both like really kind of vague, moderate answer choices. So they look pretty pretty accurate probably we probably would have trouble proving them wrong uh unless procedural memories was something we need, needed to know uh that made that answer choice d wrong but actually procedural memories are just the memories of how to do different things like how to do certain actions and something like playing the piano would absolutely be like a pr- procedural memory and that could certainly be linked to episodic memories as far as we know
0: okay and that was a very soft word in there Maybe linked and mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. uh is always linked right
1: Exactly, so that helps us get rid of it for this not question.
0: All right, that's a hard one. Um, All right, question fifty: If a musician experienced a lesion in the cerebellum, which of the following functions would most uh, would be most effective? A. Ability to distinguish tones. B. Immediate emotional reactions to melodies. C. Recognition of familiar memories. Or D, ability to play music on the instrument of their choice. And so you mentioned just the last question, cerebellum and regulating voluntary motion uh, go together. And so voluntary motion for me is ability to play music on the instrument of their choice. And so that one would stand out to me, movement and cerebellum uh, kind of go together. So I would choose D. Awesome. Oh, that's right. what
1: it, yeah, it's that simple. And that's true of the brain areas in general. If you know what they do, uh, you could get questions that are just super, super easy. Because, you know, that's what it does. It doesn't do the other things. Cerebellum equals movement.
0: Yeah, okay. So, good Good take-home point from this passage is know the different areas of the brain and what they do. Mm-hmm, all right.
1: definitely. All
0: right. We, we, squi- we skipped 51, not a good question here for the podcast and we're on the 52
1: perfect 52 the fmri activation patterns obtained from the non-musicians functioned as blank a a control variable only b a dependent variable only c an independent variable only or d more than one of the above
0: hmm I have, I've, I've, I don't think I've seen a, a more than one of the above kind of questions on the MCAT before, especially as we've gone through full length ten here. So that's that's an interesting one. <laughs> um, so the fMRI activation patterns obtained from the non-musicians. So the non-musicians, we I guess we want to think of potentially as the control group, but are they control groups Um, on both? Yeah, so they're the control group because the study was performed to explore the impact of musical expertise on on both functional and structural modifications of the brain. And so they needed the non-musicians as the control group to see what that looked like. Independent and dependent. Oh, we've talked about dependent and independent before, as uh, like something we're measuring versus something we're not. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, and ooh, I'm gonna say it, I, I'm pretty sure the answer choice is at least a. And then dependent and independent, those are opposites. So I'm going to say it's at least one of those as well. And I'm going to go with D, more than one of the above.
1: Good job.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) You did it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) It made it a little bit easier because dependent, independent are opposite of each other. So it's like, well, if it's not one, then I guess it has to be the other because they're opposites.
1: Totally. Um, And you know what else made this question easier is, they could have really easily structured this as a Roman numeral question. uh, And they just, they chose not to. And you, I mean, there's nothing saying you can't get an answer choice that says more than one of the above on the MCAT. Mm -hmm. Um, But very often you would get something like a Roman numeral question, where it's like Roman numeral one is control, two is dependent, three is independent. And then they would actually make you figure out whether it's dependent or independent. Yeah. yeah, they didn't. Um, And the real, the real answer, by the way, is that it is a um, control variable and it is also a um, dependent variable. Uh, so, so technically it would be A and B because the fMRI patterns are what we're measuring and the dependent variable is what we're supposed to be, what we're measuring that, that changes in response to changes in some independent variable.
0: Okay. So again, the, the dependent, what we're measuring independent we're not measuring. Exactly. All right, so at least I remembered that part. So something is sticking in my brain with these podcasts, so that's good. Hopefully they're sticking in yours as well, which is why you keep listening on your drive to work or as you're working out or walking dog, whatever. So thanks for for listening and and learning. All right, so there you have it. Some more great information for you, some more tidbits of information that you can carry over into your full-length practice and hopefully your real test day. Remember that the MCAT is so much more than content review. You need to take practice tests. Whenever I talk to students who do poorly on the MCAT, one of the first questions I ask is how many full-length exams did you do? And typically, it's never enough, especially those students who don't score well enough. So go check out nextsteptestprep.com. Look at their packages of full-length exams. You can buy four, six, or 10 of them And you can save 10% using the promo code MCATPOD. That's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast.